But the, the spiritual warfare that we face is something that is, is active uh, in our everyday life, whether we want it to be or not. It's something that is here, and it's something that we're, we're going to have to get to know, something we're going to have to come to terms with. Whether we want to be battling it or not, we're fighting it. We've all seen it every day in our life. We, we, see, uh, we see the kids facing things, and we think, oh, my goodness, but, but we face the same things. We face the same immorality. immorality. We face the same problems in the world. Oftentimes, uh, we face them at an elevated level. And, and the devil will come at you in, in every which direction. And if you've been around very long, most of you in here have got a few years on me, and you've been around, you, you've seen that the devil can bring the same problem to you 10 or 12 different ways. And the algebra teacher can do the same thing. And it, it looks different, but it's always the same problem. It's always the same temptation. He tempted Jesus with three specific things, and those three things he is still tempting people with today, and, and they're succumbing to it left and right. Uh, it's just, <laughs> he's had a couple of thousand years to perfect the way he does things, and he is, he is a master deceiver. He's a master liar, and, and, and if we're not very, very careful, he'll get us Ephesians chapter number 6. We're going to begin in verse number 10. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not, here we go, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the dark darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is no way in the world that I could ball up a fist and take a shot and hit the, what would it say? The spiritual wickedness in high places. There's no way that you could take a shotgun and shoot uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world. It, it don't happen. It's, it's not something that we can physically uh, fight in, in the, the traditional sense of the word. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against things that are not seen, against the, the wiles of the devil. And the Bible here, Paul, is, is saying that we, we have a way to defend ourselves. We have a way to, to, to protect ourselves. And it is through the armor of God. And we're not going to get off on that tonight. Through the next couple of weeks, I, I, I want to kind of focus on what, what we know. Uh, knowing ourself, knowing our enemy, knowing our battleground, knowing our weapons, knowing our defense. Tonight, we're going to spend a little bit of time. We may not get through, but we're going to try. Like I said, we have a lot of reading to do. Uh, tonight, we're going we're gonna to jump on knowing ourselves. If you would flip over to... 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, we'll begin in verse number 3, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 3. For though we walk in the, pages stuck together, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Again, it is a spiritual warfare. I cannot stress that enough. It is, is something that we, we can't physically fight. It's something that we have to have the power of God to fight. And the first step in, in that fight is knowing what you have. Well, what did David want to do whenever he was facing the enemy? God told him not to. He'd done it anyway. What did he do? Numbered the people. He wanted to know exactly what he had. <clears throat> in, the, in the 
armed forces. I've, I've, I don't know it firsthand. I have a kid that I taught. He's he's part of the National Guard. He said one thing that they harp on really, really heavy is inventory. He said they always have to know exactly what they have. They always have to know exactly what they're working with and who they're working with. So the first thing that we're going to look at tonight is how how well do we know ourselves? We're the ones in the battle. How well do we know ourselves? Well, let's flip back to the book of Genesis. And we'll begin there. Genesis chapter number 1. This is where it all began. This is the beginning for man. And so in order for us to understand man, in order for us to understand who we are and, and to know ourselves, before we can know the enemy, we have to know ourselves. And before we can do that, we have to begin in Genesis chapter number 1. Verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. This is the Godhead. This reason the, the, the word our is used. After our likeness, let him have dominion over the flesh, the sea, over the foul air, and over the cattle, and all over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Heard a guy say one time, it's a sin to call somebody ugly. Because they're made in the image of God. Whenever the Bible says that we are made in the image of God, I believe that paints a picture of the way God looks. The Bible says that, that the first man and the first woman was created in the image of God. And therefore, I had a guy, I was listening to him preach one night, and he preached on why aliens cannot exist. It was about a three-minute sermon. He read from this verse, and he said, This is why those people with antennas and six eyes and 14 toes don't exist because God said, let us create man in our image. And man is created in the image of God. Woman is created likewise. And because of that, we, we all have similar traits. We, we all have similar attributes. We study the, the subject biology, the study of life. And whenever we get to human anatomy, pretty much everybody has most of the same bones. Men and women have an extra rib. Other than that, we, we all pretty much have the same bones in our hand. Whenever you study anatomy, my hand and Brother Randy's hand is probably going to have the same kind of bones in it, the same number of bones in it. And whenever we begin to study on, on who we are and, and how we originated here and how God created us, we have to remember that we are created in the image of God. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 says that we are His workmanship. And so whenever we begin to, to really know ourselves, let's remember that. Remember that God created us in His image. Remember that He, uh, that, that we are His workmanship. Flip over, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Psalm chapter 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Whenever God created man, He saw that it was very good. Not just good. Right, Brother Randy? He saw the... He saw the animals. He said it was good. He saw the, the sea and the land. He saw it was good. Whenever he created man, he saw it was very good. God was proud of his creation. God loved his creation so much that, that instead of destroying the earth, he found Noah, he found a righteous man, so much that instead of allowing the sins of Adam to condemn everybody to hell, he sent his son so that we might have a, a sacrifice, a propitiation for that sin. 
First Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 23 tells us that we have both a spirit, a soul, and a body in the very peace of, excuse me, in the very God of peace to sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless until the coming of the Lord. So we know that we ourselves, you and I both, are made in God's image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are His workmanship created unto good works. And we consist of a body, a soul, and a spirit. I heard a doctor said one time, he's operated on many patients. He's never seen a soul. He's not going to. He operated on a lot of people. He's never seen a spirit. He's not going to. It's something that dwells within us. It's something that the, the, the eye cannot see. It's part of that spiritual warfare. It's part of that mystery. We're going to get to the mystery in a minute. It's part of the mystery that the Bible talks about. Things that are not to be known. But we have it. If you had the Spirit of God within you, you know it. The Bible says Spirit, His Spirit dwells witness with our spirit so that we may know for a fact 100% that we are the children of God. So that we are born again. So whenever we begin to think of who we are, we are created in God's image. And we are consistent of three things. The body breaks down. Right? The body is carnal. The body is not perfect. The, God, the, the body was created from dust. The body will return to dust. Where would the soul come from? Where did it come from? There's a scientific law that says that matter can neither be created nor destroyed. Does the soul consist of matter? Matter is solid, liquid gas. Anything that you can see, feel, smell, measure, identify on this earth is considered matter. You cannot see, feel, smell, or touch a soul. Therefore, it is not matter. It does not fall into those rules. God is bigger than the rules and the laws of science. Whenever God breathed life into man, He gave man a soul. That soul is everlasting. That soul, from the moment of life into eternity, is that soul of man. That soul is something that dwells with you here. Whenever you die, that soul goes to one of two eternal places. Never to, never to, never to perish. Never to be destroyed. The Bible says to fear not the, the one who can kill the flesh, but the one who can kill the soul. The one who can destroy the soul. And the, the soul is an eternal, I'm going to use the word being, because I hadn't found another word better than that, an eternal entity. Our soul cannot be destroyed. The, the word destroy there means eternal anguish. It means degradation. Whenever it says that, that fear the one that can destroy the soul, the Bible is referring to that eternal pain in hell, that eternal damnation, somewhere that, that there is no end. It's like falling with no bottom. It's torture and, and pain beyond our imagination, and it's something that lasts forever. On the opposite end of the spectrum, whenever we die, those of us who are saved will go to our eternal home in glory. And that is forever. Our soul shall never pass away. What about the spirit? Does everybody have a spirit in them? Does everybody have the spirit of God in them? Is that a different spirit? 
I don't consider myself to be a super educated person. I, I study. I still don't have the answers. I believe that, that each person has a spirit. I believe that whenever we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. I believe that that is two separate spirits. Because the Bible says that His Spirit, being the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit. Therefore, I take from that that there are two separate spirits. Meaning that our body, before we are saved, consists of our body, our flesh, our soul, which is eternal, and our spirit. That is our spirit, individuality, that whenever we are saved, bears witness with God's spirit, which comes and dwells within us. That is after we are saved. So we know that our body is made up of three things. Paul said your whole spirit, your soul, and your body. So next we're going to move on to the next step in man. What we do is, is what we're doing is, is we have our creation where man originated. We know where we came from. We know that we're made in God's image. We know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that we are his workmanship. We know that we are made up of three things, a soul, a spirit, and a body. But what happens whenever we get saved? Turn, if you would, to John in chapter number 3. Most of you can probably quote this, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. John 3 and 3, Jesus answered and said, The conversation with Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Every man that is born twice will die once. Every man that is born once will die twice. If we do not experience this spiritual birth, the Holy Spirit never dwells within us. We, we are never saved. Our soul is, is bound to eternity in hell if we never go through that spiritual birth. Part of knowing ourselves is knowing that spiritual, uh, what a lot of people call it. I don't get hung up on it, but what a lot of people call it is a spiritual birthplace. Where you can go back to the place that you are saved. The Bible says that our spirit bears witness with God's spirit. That's how we know we're saved. The Holy Spirit can take you back to that place. The Holy Spirit lets you know that you're saved. But that spiritual birth is, is very, very, very important. Jesus said, except a man be born again. This second birth is what connects us to God. This second birth is, is what allows the Holy Spirit to come and dwell with inside of us. This second birth is a spiritual birth. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. The moment of twinkling of eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In addition to having a fleshly body, one day our fleshly body will be changed. Our fleshly body will be resurrected. It will return to the dust, but God said that he will raise it up. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, they shall be brought to pass, saying, It is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting, O grave? Where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, 
which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ, excuse me, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He conquered death. He gave us the victory. Because of that, our body will be changed. We'll be given an incorruptible body. We'll be given a new body. Part of knowing ourselves is understanding what is going to happen. This is the redemption of our body. Because of that spiritual birth, our fleshly body, whether it is uh, burned up or crushed up or, or whatever it is, uh, people have been lost at sea. Wherever it is, wherever it ends up, God said that he would resurrect it. And that body will be changed. It will be a spiritual body. In addition to that, Romans chapter number 12. The Bible says that we will also have a change of mind. Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Whenever we're saved, we go through a spiritual transformation and by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Will of God. Whenever we are saved, part of knowing ourselves is knowing that that change is going to occur. It, it may not, uh, it's not a maybe occur, it's not an almost occur. If a person is saved, they will change. That is part of the fruit of salvation. If a person is born again, they will change. They may not change for long. They may revert. But that person will change. Whenever we're saved, we're asked or commanded even here by Paul. He said, be not conformed. By the renewing of our mind, this is by the Holy Spirit coming upon us. This is by us reading and studying. This is by us being enlightened in the things of God. We have access to things that are greater than the things of this world. All the books in the world cannot contain the knowledge that's in this one right here. All the books in the world cannot contain the revelations that are in this one right here. All the books in the world cannot contain the spiritual weapons of war that are in this one. Whenever Satan came to tempt Jesus, what did he fight him with? He fought him with the Old Testament. He fought him with the everlasting Word of God. Romans chapter number 7. Even though we are saved, even though we have a Spirit of God dwelling within us. Even though we have that renewing of our mind, there is still a struggle. And, and no doubt, in my mind, at least one of the most important parts of knowing ourselves, knowing what we're dealing with, is understanding that we are still our own worst enemy. We are still our biggest problem. I am still my biggest hindrance between me and what God wants me to do. I'm still the biggest issue. Paul said in Romans 7, verse number 15, For that which I do, I allow not. That word allow there, if, if you go back to where it was translated, it could also be used as the word no. That which I do, I allow not, or I know not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do, which I would not, I consent unto the law, that it is good. Paul had a way of writing, didn't he? Break it down. For that which I do, for the things that I do, I allow not. I know not. I have very little control over. For what I would, the things that I want to do, that I do not. But what I hate, what I don't want to do, I do. There will always be a struggle. 
between us and sin. I remember preaching. It must have been last year. I know I preached it here. The message was titled, I Love Sin. And it comes out of this verse. We love to sin because that is our carnal nature. That is our instinct. That is what we know best. Before we met God, that's all we knew. Paul is saying, that which I would, that which I do, I don't want to do. But sometimes I do it anyway. It will always be a struggle. Even after we're saved, even after the Holy Spirit dwells within us, even after we have given God our life, there will still be temptation. There will still be trouble. There will still be a struggle in what we do. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Until we receive that incorruptible body, we will always fight our own self. We will always fight against sin, against the flesh. Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve, excuse me, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. There is an internal misery that sin brings us. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 5, For they that are after the flesh do the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit do the things of the Spirit, depending on which one we allow to lead us. Jesus was tempted just as we are. He was given a fleshly body. No doubt he was given a fleshly mind. And he was tempted just like us. He was tempted with things that, well, he was tempted with power. He was tempted with food. He was tempted with pride. What did 1 John say? Lusted eyes, power. Lusted flesh, food, pride of life. Those three have always been. Look at the fall of empires. Look at Russia. Let's talk current events. Everything falls in those three. Look at David. Look at Jonah. Look at presidents of the United States. Look at you. Look at me. Those three. Lusted eyes. Lusted flesh. Pride of life. They're going to get us. They're coming. And if we give ourselves over to the flesh, we do the things of the flesh. For they that are after the flesh do the things of the flesh. For they that are after the spirit do the things of the spirit. If we give ourselves over to God, if we allow God to lead in our life, if we revert back to Scripture... I'm not entirely sure if Jesus had to study the Bible whenever he was growing up. Children did back then. Jewish children were, were required to study what was what was called the Torah. They were required to study, and, and at least the boys were sent to school most of the time. And I don't know if Jesus had to study. He's the living word, right? He shouldn't have to. We're not the living word. We have to study. Whenever Jesus was tempted, he went back and he used Scripture to fight the devil. How can we use Scripture to fight the devil if we don't know Scripture? What stands in our way of knowing Scripture? Lust of eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life. What stands in our way of reading the Bible? Lust of eyes. It's pretty outside. I'd rather do something else. It's dark outside. I'd rather do something else. There's something on TV. I'd rather watch it. Lust of the flesh. I got so many more better things to do. 
that I want to do. Pride of life. What if somebody sees me reading this Bible in public? There's always an excuse not to do it. I got to preach chapel today for the first time at Ben's Ford. And that, that was kind of the, the way that the Lord led me. Is, is There's always an excuse not to. But we have to find that way to. And if we follow after the flesh, we will always heed to that excuse. Always. If we follow after God, he will allow us that way of escape. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, he said there's no temptation, none, that God does not allow a way of escape. He said first you'll be able to bear it. But he said God will always give you a way of escape. There's always a way out. There's, there's always a scripture. There's always an answer. But we have to follow God. We have to know ourselves to know that we can succumb to these temptations. To know that we are still part flesh. To know that we are still dwelling in a sinful body. To know that we still want to sin. I started a diet on Monday. It's a no-carb diet. It's hard. I was told that I could eat just a little bit for breakfast, just a little bit of snack, a little bit of lunch, a little bit of a snack again, and then I could eat kind of a healthy supper, kind of a bigger portion for supper. And a little bit of snacks just didn't make it. It's hard. I got hungry. Really hungry. I like, like really hungry. At some point in time, we have to decide that what, that what it is we're facing is not worth us giving up what we have. We was competing at the Votech yesterday at the FFA contest, and we walked out. Kim Seafood right across the work road was frying their shrimp. They were. It was terrible. It was awful. I started thinking about that scripture in, 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 in Corinthians. It said there's no temptation falling to man. We have to resist the fried shrimp. We have to resist that temptation. We have to resist the things of the flesh. In order to do that, we have to know that, that we're vulnerable. We have to know that even though we're created in the image of God, we still are flesh. We have to know that even though we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we still consist of a fleshly body, which is a sinner, which is just awful. We consist of an eternal soul that has an eternal home in one place or another. And we consist of a spirit which bears witness with the spirit of God that we are his children. That Holy Spirit comes whenever we go through that spiritual birth. Whenever we are renewed in our mind. Whenever we are, as Nicodemus couldn't grasp, born again. And because of that, our fleshly body has an eternal redemption coming whenever that trumpet sounds. But it will always be a struggle. It will always be part of us that wants to revert. And in order to know ourselves, we have to know that. We have to realize that. We have to know that that, that is a chink in our armor. Is that on the outside, we, we may want to serve God, but there's always going to be a temptation. There's always going to be a reason not to. There's always going to be a, a way to get out of it. You know, there's a way to get out of my diet. There is, and there's a loophole. A woman sent me a list of everything what I can eat 
And she sent me a list of everything what not to eat. Whole head cheese wasn't on either one of them. Which means if I want that loophole, I can eat whole head cheese. It said cottage cheese. It said cheddar cheese. One of the lists said blue cheese. Another one said brie cheese. All these different types of cheeses. I didn't see whole head cheese on there nowhere. If we look for, if we look for a reason, Satan will supply one. If we look for a way to get out of serving God, Satan will supply one. And Lord willing, we'll, uh, we'll move on to knowing our enemy next week. Appreciate your attention. Appreciate your presence. I would, uh, I would like to ask if there are any questions before we dismiss Brother, Brother Randy. Brother Ed can answer them for you. Uh, we will be studying on knowing our enemy next week. Uh, if anyone has any input at all, we 